0: Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor. Welcome and thank you for joining us today. The next two hours are devoted to learning something more, not just about the world of shoes and ships and sealing wax, but about how, what, and why we believe as we do. A time for the open-minded willing to challenge some of those old ideas behind what we think we know, who we are, and who we might just become. I'm Eldon Taylor, and this is Provocative Enlightenment. All right, our chat room is open, and my partner, Ravinder, and her chat room monitor, Andrea, awaits you there now. You can log on by going to ProvocativeEnlightenment.com forward slash chat. We do have a right righteous chat room with some truly great folks that join us each week. So, Ravinder... Tell us all about it, please.
1: Yes, we have a great chat room, and Andrea does a great job uh, taking care of everyone. Every time you, know, you want information or an extra link or reference to something or other, she is right there, and it's a great group of people. You should come in and join us. The conversation is always lots of fun and very enlightening. So come join us at ProvocativeEnlightenment.com forward slash chat.
0: All right, in this week's Spotlight, we turn our attention to illusions. We live with many different forms of illusions and often fail to recognize just how pervasive they are. For example, there are all of those common visual illusions. The two lines that appear uneven but are exactly the same length, The famous moon illusion, the faces and vases illusion, and so forth. But there are also the audio illusions. We often miss part of speech, and yet our brains fill this in for us. One study you can find on YouTube that illustrates well how errors of this nature occur shows a person following a woman with her shoe as she runs away thinking he might be a mugger. He yells out to her, Stop! Your shoe! However, almost everyone hears, Stop! Or I'll shoot! circumstances, surroundings, a whole host of subliminal cues lead to our interpretation, and it's very often completely wrong. Then there are those illusions that arise as a result of attention. The famous invisible gorilla experiment is one such example. Again, on YouTube, you can find the clip. Just search Gorilla Experiment. So just imagine that you are asked to watch a short video with six people. Three in white shirts and three in black shirts passing basketballs around. You are charged with keeping track of the number of passes made by the people in white shirts. Intent on getting the count correct, almost no one sees the gorilla stroll into the room. As unbelievable as this may sound, it's absolutely true. Here, however, is the form of illusion that I want to bring into focus today. We often believe that we are in charge of our own thinking, that we make our own decisions, that we are our own boss. This is truly an illusion. In my book, Choices and Illusions, the illusion that we make our own decision is fully fleshed out, as are the steps that must be taken to truly make our own choices. But an important aspect comes down to simply becoming mindful. Nowadays, mindfulness and meditation are often conflated. And I suppose there's no harm in this. But where there are many advantages to meditation, I'm not addressing that when I say mindful. Mindfulness comes down to attending to our every thought as though it mattered. Think about that for a moment. The estimate is that we all have between 50,000 and 70,000 thoughts per day. And this translates to between 35 and 48 thoughts per minute. It's only when we pause to think about what we're thinking, each thought weighed from the perspective of where did this come from, why did I have it, do I want to own it, and so forth, that we can begin to assume charge of what's in our own non-conscious. And as I pointed out last week, it is your non-conscious that makes your Choices. Krishnamurti once stated, paraphrase some, choice is an illusion. Do I do this or do I do that? Questions that arise from confusion. When I know clearly, there is no choice. I will add this. Until I know clearly what the script in my non-conscious mind is, I can only guess at why I make the choices I do. I would encourage you all to become mindful beginning today. Try it out as just an exercise for one day and see what you discover about yourself. Success is a journey, and finding how high is up is akin to the search for the core of the onion. It matters not how successful you are or what you have achieved. There is always more to learn about ourselves. And with each new uncovering, we afford ourselves the opportunity to improve, to become yet better at being our best. I do believe that we are all a gift from the Divine and I do believe that the only way you can repay the giver is by maximizing your every talent and ability. Hiding yourself from yourself for whatever reason, call it self-defense, as in our subconscious defense strategies, or undeveloped potential due to some nasty things that might have been said to you at some time in your life, or whatever else, including the mistaken notion that you are right where you're supposed to be, perfect as you are. And you diminish yourself accordingly. My thoughts anyway. Your thoughts on this one, Ravinder?
1: You know, the whole subject about thinking about your thinking and being mindful. I think, wasn't there a presentation you did once and one of the comments you got back was, you know, there are so many thoughts, how the heck do I do that? Um And I, you know, it it can seem very intimidating. But as I've been practicing it, I think you just do a few, you do a bit, you, and the more you do, the the easier it gets. But it is a process. But and the more you do, the more you grow. So as you're paying attention to your thoughts, as you're thinking about what you're thinking and why you're making the choices that you do, then the whole process does become easier because you begin to see the ploys and tactics that are used against you to manipulate your thinking. And you can just laugh at them. It becomes funny. So what can be an intimidating process could actually be a lot of fun after a while.
0: Including the poise and tactics, we call them mechanisms, that are used against you by yourself. Yeah. By yourself.
1: Yeah, they're the hardest ones. (laughs) (laughs) All
0: right. Every week I read some of your letters as our way of involving you while paying respect to the very important role... You play in making this show successful. Last week, our guest was Dr. Jillian Holloway, and we spoke of dreams. Thomas wrote, That whole thing you talked about last week with Dr. Holloway regarding dreams that punish was most interesting. Did I understand her to say she thinks some dreams are really possessions? You did indeed, Thomas. Lucy wrote, I love shows about dreams, but where you take them is, in the words of your guest, a bit like Star Trek where no man has ever ventured before. Thanks for the terrific radio shows. Daniel wrote, After listening to your show, I decided to buy and begin using a dream journal. How long should I expect it to take before I begin remembering my dreams? I don't have an answer for you, Daniel, but I can offer this. For myself, it took a couple of weeks. Reach out to Jillian. She's very... Reachable and very, you know, very much enjoys corresponding. She'll be able to help you provide some additional guidance. Speaking of Julian, she wrote, Thanks, Eldon, for this marvelous conversation. The only danger lies in being so fascinated by the conversation that I forget we're on the radio. But a small price to pay for such a lovely treat. And a candid, lovely treat it was. If you missed this show, be sure to check it out in our archives or on our YouTube channel. Moving on, Holly wrote, I've been listening to your Prosperity MP3 about twice a week for a month now. Within the first week, I received an unexpected gift from a relative for a free place to stay during our Disney trip trip planned this winter, and within three weeks I received a job offer for a job I wasn't really looking for to begin with. Not only was the job opportunity unexpected, but the conditions of employment far exceeded my expectations. Waiting for the next wonderful prosperity experience as I continued to listen to your program. Also, I gave a meditation lesson at the local library, and when asked if it was possible to retrain your subconscious, I gave them your name and explained the wonderful work that you do. Good stuff all around. Well, thank you, Holly. Patrick wrote, I like your new website. Much easier to navigate. I will be making another purchase shortly. Since I started using your products, my wife has noticed I am just more in control of me. And she likes it. My decisions about life seem to be correct and without self-doubt. More confidence. She has started... Letting me play them through the house stereo system and enjoys listening. She has started using the weight loss and exercise CDs herself. Thanks so much. Deborah wrote, I catch your show every now and then and do find it extremely thought-provoking. Love the guest choices of music part of it. I was listening to the bit on global warming and as far as that is concerned, it does not exactly mean that the temperature is just rising, global warming. It actually means that the temperature for the planet, hot and cold, is changing sort of drastically. That's my take on it. Anyway, when I do catch your program, I actually get hooked in, whether or not I agree with the subject at hand. Great show. And Kathleen wrote, you folks feel a connection with animals, so I thought you might appreciate this little experience. A couple of days ago, I was sitting on my deck listening to a podcast of your show with Christina Donnell while nearby one of the resident squirrels was racing around and up and down trees doing what squirrels do. The moment that Miss Donald's selection of Sufi music came on, that squirrel raced to a spot on the branch four feet from my head and stood stock still, staring. He appeared in trance. He remained thus until the music was over, at which time he dashed off to continue squirreling around. Granted, I was listening with headphones, but I do believe that that little guy could hear the music was fascinated by it. Christina Donald might enjoy knowing that there is a squirrel in Idaho that appreciates her musical taste. You've got to love that one. All right, that's all the time we're going to take for letters today. But I do invite you to opine by sending your comments to Eldon. That's E-L-D-O-N at eldontaylor.com. Or by joining me on Facebook. And I want to thank all of you for your letters and comments. We truly do appreciate your feedback and support. Now to this week's show. Mediumship and Channeling with Thomas Jacobson. Thomas Jacobson began channeling Dr. Peebles in the late 70s. Before the term channeling as we know it existed. His work was highly touted. George Meek, scientist and international researcher on life after death, said this. One of the clearest windows in the world today. His work is at the very highest level of mediumship. It has been my pleasure to witness. Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross praised Thomas with these words. Thank you for your most recent or for your most special reading. I'll connect with you when I return from Europe. You are a genius and will help many people. President Emeritus, Texas A&M University, Dr. Frank Vandiver, had this to say. The world through the wise eyes of Dr. Peebles, an unusual view filled with sound advice, no matter what your beliefs about spiritualism. Dr. Peebles speaks with 19th century courtesy, but with the wit and wisdom of all Renaissance men. Your very being may be challenged by his off world humor and his tender hearted lessons in communication, responsibility, and alienation. Now, Thomas is also credited with training Sean Randall, who channels Torah. But then, why would someone believe a channeler, for that matter, accept the idea that a medium can connect with an entity on the other side and deliver wisdom for living? Indeed, how do we know when it's not all just phooey or fraud? Well, perhaps there are at least four reasons people tend to want to believe in channeling. The first is the near-universal belief in spirits. Not just spirits, but spirits that can be reached from this world through a variety of means. Second, all major world religions have taught the reality of the spirit world. Third, and this has been disputed by some, but there is some pretty good evidence that a channel or medium is able to accurately describe events taking place outside of their immediate presence. And fourth, incidents of possession, poltergeists, and the like cannot easily be explained away. Many stories abound with factual data to back up, suggesting the spirit world is not only alive, it may literally possess you, leading possibly even to an exorcism, the history of which presents some pretty tough evidence itself. the existence of the spirit world. So where skeptics like to shuttle the business of channeling into the parlor of tricks, cold reading, psychology, and fraud, one may need to pause just a moment first. Enter our guest, or perhaps guest, Thomas Jacobson and maybe Dr. Peebles. Welcome to Provocative Enlightenment, Mr. Thomas Jacobson.
2: Well, hello, Eldon. It's It's a real pleasure, a delight to be with you.
0: Well, great! It's it, I've been looking forward to this. You heard the setup piece. Uh, actually, I have two questions regarding that. In today's spotlight, we talked about the illusion of choice, and on this show, we have discussed many times how, uh, using fMRI, we literally the MRI technician will know what a person's going to decide six seconds before they make the decision before they themselves know. So now from a channeling perspective from the knowledge that you've gained, how many of our choices are unconscious choices? How many of them are genuinely thoughtful? We you know, we really made that choice. It wasn't just written in a program somewhere.
2: Well, my my understanding from spirit and from experiencing spirit as they were speaking through me as a separate subject, a separate experience, was the uh, uh, tremendous power of our our desires, the the prior the priority of, um, for example, safety, sanctuary, and security, the the drive to be loved, yet the desire to be safe through isolation and protectionism. So. There's an ongoing conflict that I think all of us are living. It, it drives our thoughts. It drives our choices. I love what I heard, heard you say, and I also read on your website, uh, regarding free will and free thought, that there has to be an awareness, a mindfulness, as, as you suggested, uh, to what's, what precedes the thought, what's behind the thought, what's the motivation, what's the passion, what's, or the absence of passion, more often than not. Uh, it's an ongoing battle as I understand it and as I learned from the Spirit, between our our desire to be free, to actually desire, in other words, to, to truly want and to admit that we want to be wanted and yet be willing to be found wanting, to use a phrase, uh, in stark contrast to uh, a, a strong fear, a driving desire to be safe. Or safety, sanctuary, and security is a phrase the spirit would use. Safety, sanctuary, and security that we have the right to enjoy, but they suggest that less often we place it as our ongoing first priority. So it's back and forth, and when you ask this question, that's what I think of. I think of that conflict within, I believe, all of us as incarnated spirits, uh, part of our learning curve, uh, of how we prioritize. Mm-hmm. And it's it's based on all kinds of choices, of course, from the past and distant past, in my opinion. And our our work in this lifetime, according to spirit, uh, as I experience spirit, is to understand. Well, whether or not we understand it is is the reality that we are actually students, and Earth apparently is a school for our spirit, our soul, our being, and the. Part of the drama and the irony, I suppose, of that drama, is that only those with similar needs incarnate or gather within the same school. In this case, the school called Earth, what they call the beautiful but difficult school, Earth. And so we're actually kind of uh, metaphorically surrounded by ourselves, and <laughs> and that's the last thing we want to acknowledge. And so it's a it's a difficult study and. And uh, I'm probably going on too long in trying to answer your question. No, 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 it's
0: a no. Great no, no. Yeah, no, that's great. In, in fact, I want to talk to you more today about free will, past lives, programming, I mean, um, Dharma, if you will, all that kind of thing. But I'm jumping ahead of myself. You know, we like to establish three things, Thomas, in our interviews. Who is the messenger? What is the message? And then, of course, how do we use it? So to that end, let's begin by having you tell us about yourself. I mean, what were you like as a youngster? You know, what did you like to do? Uh, What did you get in trouble for? Uh, You know, and and uh, when did you begin channeling? I mean, when when did all of this happen?
2: (laughs) Oh my God! Let's see. Um, Well, I my father was a minister, United Church of Christ, Congregationalist, and. uh, I actually enjoyed listening to him. I thought he was he was excellent. Uh, but as I grew up, um, there was a conflict uh, uh, for me with the issue of God, and for me, the issue of God had everything to do with Christianity because that's all I've been exposed to, of course. And I, I later on, in my teens and, and young twenties, I would even tease Dad once in a while that he almost persuaded me of uh, as to the validity of Christianity, which I know this is offensive to some people, but for me it was not my... I just couldn't see it, I couldn't make it work. But it really wasn't because of Christianity, it was because of the concept of God. I was an agnostic at best, an atheist probably more often than not, because I was personally lost. And I suppose I wanted to put the blame somewhere, number one. And number two... I think the ongoing quandary for most of us is how the heck can there be all this hell on earth, all this pain, this agony and suffering and still be an a divine intelligence of some sort, some type of god.
0: The and, all good god, right?
2: Oh my gosh. And for me the idea of heaven and hell as a as a conflict and an angry god and that kind of thing just didn't work at all and so that was the general philosophical uh, aura I was uh, I was uh, living within. Um, good gosh! I'd get in trouble for disobeying, <laughs> for not <laughs> for not listening to what I was told to do. And uh, uh, I had I was in music. I was fairly talented in music, and I, I enjoyed it. And as the years went by, however, I just nevertheless I realized uh, that I had a I was dispassionate. I didn't. I didn't really have. I wasn't driven. I did not have ambition. I didn't know what to do. I was basically lost. I was, in effect, until the age of 30, uh, at least, an angry young man, uh, rebelling against everything. That's the first part of it. Um, you want I to think keep going of from us there?
0: can relate to that. Okay.
2: The uh, so uh, eventually, uh, let's see. Basically, I kept passing this building in Anaheim, California, uh, in the mid late seventies, called CyneTics, and it was a nonprofit organization dedicated to metaphysics and spiritual study. All of which. or
0: Dianetics? A uh, cy CyneTics.
2: Okay. P-S- CyneTics. P-S-Y-N-E-T-I-C-S.
0: P-S-Y- okay. Gotcha. Okay.
2: And I uh, I probably passed it a hundred times. Well, one day I finally stopped in because, for whatever reasons, and. Uh, found all these brochures, and sounded all very strange to me, uh, but I was kind of lost, and so I started showing up for the lectures, and And I, this is going to sound terribly arrogant, particularly given my own failure <laughs> at the time. I, I, I was stunned to find that, to feel how wonderful and how sharp and intelligent the speakers were, because I thought this stuff was all crazy and they'd have speakers in from different religions that i was not familiar with and different metaphysical forums and i was so moved and touched and trying to make the long story short i uh, started participating with cyanetics and going to their classes and the first weird thing that i had to endure as kind of a hopeful skeptic was what they what we call psychic fairs. now that was just crazy from the get-go for me <laughs> <laughs> But I, you know, I, (laughs) (laughs) so I showed up and uh, perhaps to my own discredit, it seemed that much of my skepticism and and so forth, cynicism was, at the time, I thought was justified. Uh, uh, However, a few things would happen here and there that just were on the edge of spectacular.
0: Thomas, I'm going to ask you to hold the story there because I don't want to get kicked out by the computer, and we've got a break coming up. Okay. Uh, when we come back, we'll pick it up. All right? With the psychic fair, because my wife had the same experience at her first psychic fair. Huh. We're speaking with Thomas Jacobson about his life, work, and channeled information. To learn more about Thomas, visit his website at Thomas Jacobson at of man, and of man and spirit dot com of man and spirit com okay remember to join ravinder and Andrea in the chat room you can do that by going to provocative forward slash chat we'll be right back
3: you're listening to provocative enlightenment with Elton Taylor change has never been easier whether you wish to lose weight stop smoking build better relationships become creative enjoy ultra prosperity or simply relax and promote self-healing inner talk has been repeatedly demonstrated effective in the most rigorous of scientific studies our customers love inner talk Sean wrote I have struggled with bulimia for over 30 years and have never been able to lose weight without restoring to it until I used inner talk Vicki wrote my hubby has been using the stop snoring CD and already his dangerous and raucous snoring levels have stopped Celeste wrote, I recently graduated from Taft Law School with honors. I'm writing to tell you how much your Intertalk CD, Excel in Exams, has helped me. With over 300 titles to choose from, there is something for everyone. Check it out today by going to intertalk.com.
0: Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor. almost irreverent uh, in that piece of music early, but welcome back. If you've just joined us, we're chatting with Thomas Jacobson about his life, work, and channeled information. Now, we ask our guests for three pieces of music, three of their favorites, music that has some genuine significance to them. Music is more important to us than most recognize. It can awaken forgotten memories, and it has restored lost states of consciousness, Indeed, it's used often today, music psychology, to look at human aptitude, skill, intelligence, creativity, personality, social behavior, and so forth. And as such, there can be a good deal of self-disclosure in one's selection of music. So on that, we just played Time to Say Goodbye by Andre Bocelli and Sarah Brightman. Why is this one special to you, Thomas, and how does it instruct us about who you are?
2: Wow, that's, that's a great question. Uh, the, well, reverting back to what I said earlier, there, spirit teaches us that, simply put, everything we are going through as an incarnated spirit, as a student upon the school earth, is within a relationship. And it's our, it's our relationship not only with each other as human beings, but with all life. Uh, including um, uh, objects and ideas and thought. What is our relationship? Uh, How much intimacy have we achieved? How much fear do we have of intimacy within uh, a given relationship? And that dynamic, that movement, basically to and fro, closer than farther away, then closer than farther away, is an on, apparently an ongoing drama uh, that is central to our growth. It's, it's kind of our venue for our growth as a spirit. Uh, rejection, uh, being left, divorce, separation, etc. Of course, for the most part, are agonizing experiences in, in one way or another. And with every ending, there's the possibility of a beginning. And... We all know, of course, in small ways and large throughout our life, that some pretty amazing things or or wonderful things happened when we least expected them and and often after the ending of something we had previously valued or previously been quite intimate with. So it's an ongoing drama back and forth, and it's time to say goodbye. I love the title. It's a little it can um, at first, blush sound negative, I suppose, to some of us, uh, but it's it represents an honesty and a truth uh, regarding separation and love that can be retained, respect that can be retained within the, the change of the nature of that relationship, or the distance, I suppose, I should say, between ourself and another. Uh, the, the music itself, of course, uh, uh, composed capture somehow for me at least that agony and ecstasy so beautifully and importantly it soars throughout the whole uh the whole giving of that music it just soars and soars higher and higher even in the midst of challenge and pain and separation uh so it's so wonderfully poignant so passionate uh for me it captures in part uh the challenge of each of us, the challenge for each of us in our heart and soul to, to work with this suffering in life and remain present and indeed increase our presence in life despite that suffering, soaring, and the result of which is we soar, we lift our life uh, closer to the greater strength, if you will, of, a, of our soul, of our spirit, of our, our larger self.
0: Interesting, very interesting. A bit of a juxtaposition, though. Uh, when you read your teachings, uh, you know, for all intent and purposes, although we are going to say goodbye to something or, well, probably to everything at some point in time, <laughs> if we think of crossing over, you know, right? Uh, we never really say goodbye because we're all... In a sense, one—if I understand your teaching—right So a bit of a, a bit of a weave uh, there sure. in order to navigate. Yeah. Let's get back to what uh, what you were talking about before the break. Your father was a minister of what faith? Was it?
2: Uh, Congregationalist, which became United Church of Christ.
0: Okay, and so you attended now one of these. Uh, Psychic fairs right, and uh, you know my wife uh, who she was a biologist, but at the time I met her, uh, actually studying uh, um, become a psychotherapist, hypnotherapist at uh, the National College in London, England, and she told me about her first visit to uh, to uh, the psychic fair, and I'm talking about you here, dear, so you might get your oh, mic up. I'm paying
1: attention, I'm here. <laughs>
0: and, uh, and she was flabbergasted like you. I mean, what, what is this crazy stuff they're doing, you right. know? And how can they call this science? And, you know, well, I think she'd tell you she's come 180 around, so I think you were about uh, to tell us how you came around. Pick it up, will you?
2: Sure. Um, yeah, I went into the psychic. Now, you've got to remember, I was whatever I was, 28 years old or something, and, and truly a frustrated, if not angry, young guy. And right. uh, playing the victim all the time uh, type of stuff, I suppose. And But there was this, basically what happened, I made a very clear conscious decision. I don't know how or why, but I just decided, look, I, I have to, i got to face up. Either, I, I have to, there either is purpose to life or there is not purpose to life. I don't believe there's purpose to life, but wonder if there is. And if there is, how am I going to find out? And my frustration was that vis-a-vis religion, as I experienced religion, um, I could not find out except to have faith. And to have faith, I just didn't have personally the ability or inclination to do so. So that left me naked, in a sense. Uh, So what am I going to do? Well, I I had read a book uh, when I was a teenager, and it was the only book I ever read on the subject, uh, called "There Is a River," by Thomas Sugrue about right. Edgar Casey. Right. That book so moved me, I read it straight through, laying in bed one day, and over four hours, I suppose. I got out of bed; the sheets were soaked in sweat. I was so shaken. But I started to share it with my family, and and it, that didn't go over too much, and so I dropped it for ten years or what have you. But now I hearkened back. I I looked back at that experience, and I said, well, you know what? If there is meaning to life, if there's life after death, then there's meaning to life, unavoidably. And uh, so how am I going to find out if there's life after death? And that's when I remembered the book. Uh, Mediums. But then I still would have the same problem. I'd have to have faith in the medium. So the only solution I saw, logically, <clears throat> in this finite moment of time back then, was if I could become a medium, then I'd know. Uh, so that, that became my motivation in the midst of the, going to Psynetics as I was listening to these speakers. I started attending these uh, psychic fairs. The first one I attended, I, I almost blushed. I was so, and I'm not proud of this, But I was so irritated and frustrated by what seemed like the silliness of it all back then for me. Mm -hmm. And that others, in a sense, I felt like I was being, might be used. It's like, you know, this just doesn't work. But then I sat down with this one lady, dear Beverly McLaughlin. She's now on the spirit side. Passed over. And she uh, took my hand, and I didn't say anything. She started talking to me, uh, just holding my hand. And looking at me and and at my hand and for about 20 minutes non-stop and i have never felt so understood uh with because of detailed information i couldn't i couldn't figure out how she would know that Uh, so anyway i was i was stunned i was moved and that that just threw me forward uh into my into a great into an immersion what became an immersion into a series of classes, including, of course, her classes. And I was always the pain in the ass for her because I was the skeptic in the class, usually about 15 people or so, and I was always mouthing off, apparently. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it was, but things happened here and there in that class to me personally that were uh, so striking that I could not argue away. So anything, one one thing led to another to another until eventually I was in a series of meditation classes, um, and I. So. Yes.
0: So then, all right, when did I, because you channeled uh, Doctor James Martin Peebles? Yes. Okay, right. and 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 this was in the late seventies, right? It's, so well, yeah, so how did that happen? I mean, when when did it happen? How did it happen? I mean, yeah, uh, were you just suddenly overcome by spirit as you're driving down the highway, or
2: okay, what happened was, <clears throat> um, I ended up ta- taking a variety of classes over a year, year and a half, two years, something like that, and in this one. It was, it was a it became in effect a culmination of my search of probably about two years now I'm talking full time day in, day out uh, going to everything, reading about everything that I could get my hands on as part of the, because of that decision I'd made uh, so finally I'm in my umpteenth meditation class I've been in several and in the, in my meditation class I'm trying first of all just to meditate. I never was sure I was actually meditating. I just felt like I was thinking a lot, but <laughs> I tried with breathing and what have you. And mm-hmm. uh, to try to be concise here, well, let's see. So what happened? I first of all, preceding this particular event, I'm going to come to in a moment. For about three or four months, I had become very mindful of my diet as part of a discipline I was developing. I was skeptical, but I was in my skepticism, I was also in good faith. So, although I was doubting, I was giving myself to it entirely, doing everything I was supposed to do. Right. Um, and that included, among many other things, diet. And so, anyway, I started having these involuntary contractions in my solar plexus, physically, um, almost painful. I didn't know what they were, but anyway, they just would happen out of nowhere. I didn't know what they were. So now. Going forward in time, somewhere in, I think it was 1979, I I was in this meditation class. It might have been a 10-week or 12-week class. It was the last class of this particular meditation class. Again, I'm in meditation. Again, as usual, nothing is happening. And so what happened in the meditation is I decided that, again, this is after full time for a couple years, all kinds of stuff. I decided that um, either spirit is not real or I'm incapable or unworthy of somehow being affected by spirit. I don't know which, but I'm going to, this is it, I'm done. And that was a very clear decision I made while in the meditation. And I suppose uh, what might be significant, I guess, is that there was no animosity on my part. There was no resentment or anger. Um, It was just a clean decision that was, in effect, I realized later on, looking backwards, a very deep surrender. And then all of a sudden, I had that physical in, involuntary contraction in my solar plexus. But this time, it became the like a pump, pumping hugely, uh, a rush of air up through my lungs, my esophagus, out through my voice box, creating sound. Now, these were not words. There was not wisdom. There was not... Anything impressive, it was sound, if anything, it sounded like I'd gone mad. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it was you i'm I'm totally aware of what's going on, but here's the key. Here was the key for me. I knew i I wasn't doing this and now I also did argue with myself at the same time, maybe you know perhaps it's some of the part of me, but even if it is i'm still I'm still blown away because this isn't my conscious self, I'm not right. doing this. And it, it, it was despite me instead of because of me. So that was quite an exhilarating and transformative moment for me, the result of which was I decided to, to keep putting myself in the position, quote-unquote, uh, formally going into meditation, other people around and uh, of similar interest, and to see what would happen, to see if it would happen again. And it did happen again and then again and then again. And then... Again. And then there were several times where it did not happen and i became i kind of freaked out at the time i mean it was very tender very vulnerable very insecure as i'm going through all this mm-hmm. and it felt like either i had misled myself or spirit had abandoned me so that was troubling so it was, it was quite a thing <laughs> but I, I kept putting myself in the position until finally it be, what happened was that spirit was able to gain more presence around and through parts of my body and i on the other hand as the other half of it was increasingly able to surrender to an exceptional even extraordinary degree so that they could have a genuine increasingly lasting effect upon my my brain uh through my brain and my and my body and if I can give you a quick analogy, <clears throat> please. Um, yeah. One way, one simple way of uh, separate from the argument as to whether it's real or not—that's a separate issue. Uh, one way to understand the issue, the other issue, which is cause and effect, between a non-physical intelligence uh, to and upon a physical intelligence. <clears throat> What is the, what's the, what is the drama or the dynamic between the two, the cause and the effect? And that was my, increasingly that was my dedication and my learning and my study within my own privacy, the privacy of my own search within my mediumship, was how can I have spirit, how can I let spirit have more effect upon me so they can bring more of their words and sentences and paragraphs and communication through, through me, myself sufficiently suspended so that they could accomplish that well one analogy to to grasp the difficulty of that is to think of to think if if we if we put a heavy anything a piece of metal or a heavy glass on the desk in front of us and and we blow air upon it that glass or that heavy physical object of course is not going to move however instead we take a piece of paper or a feather and put it in her hand in front of us. And with that same breath of air, obviously it's going to move even quite a bit. So my work, my job as a medium, was to stop being like that heavy piece of glass and become like the feather. Because the breath, as symbolically, is, in reality, is spirit. So they can't blow harder because they're not in our world. They're not part of our earthly world. Uh, they can only have so much effect by, by plan, of course, uh, I presume. And so the job is really on the channel or the medium or the artist. Channeling and mediumship is all part of the same thing we all do. We just call it different things. It's artistry. It's creativity. It's, it, it, it's decision-making, in my opinion, is, is one way of looking at it, which perhaps we'll talk about later. But the, the how can we, how can I let spirit be what spirit is, but have more effect on me and through me? That's the challenge. Instead, what I did at the beginning, sometimes raising my fist at them, well, I, I would get angry at spirit. Remember, I was an angry young man. <laughs> right. I said, why can't you do more? I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I, I'd argue with them. And uh, uh, so... Uh, kind of a comedy, I suppose, uh, in retrospect, but I was very serious. And I I eventually realized that that's not for them to do more because they love me, just like it's for God to do more because he loves us, you know, uh, apparently and so forth. No, it's for me to do more. It's for me to change and be more responsive and, and allow my environment to have much more effect upon me more immediately and readily instead of instead of to the contract.
0: So you, you came to a point now, you, you've been saying they, uh, plural spirit, uh, but you came to a point where they became uh, Dr. Peebles. Right. What happened there? I mean, when did the grunts or the moans or the, you know, <laughs> when did that convert well, into this gentleman? Yes,
2: the first, um, it, let's see, it, it was, First, there was a male kind of like sound um, that became words at the very, you know, I don't know, maybe the second or third or fourth sitting and simple words. And and right there, I'm I'm just trying to recall here my memory, somewhere at the very beginning there, of all things, a female uh, uh, came through or seemed to be coming through or trying to come through. Who called herself Miriam, and she had this very high pitched, very feminine voice, which I was already feeling, you know, kind of nuts going through all this, very insecure. Now I had this female voice trying to make words through me, and she did, but it was all very simplistic stuff, like you know, love. She kept using the word love all the time. I don't mean to <laughs> sound melodramatic, but it, again, it's important to, to try to have a sense of what she was dealing with with me uh because it i think it is literally true that up until that point i i'm not sure i ever even uttered the word love it wasn't a it wasn't a ooey gooey thing that i grew up with and i don't think i ever uttered the word love and here she's trying to say this word love all the way through me it drove me a little crazy uh <laughs> it, it really did it bothered me it made me feel very um mushy you know very yucky uh, so that's those were the first words and and love your love each other and I don't remember very simple short little statements barely just barely spoken. And then one time uh, the doctor Peoples came through and I I'm guessing in retrospect they needed to drill the hole wider and deeper before he could come through I suppose something to that effect and he came through but when he came through one time during. As I'm you know, I did these sittings one after another. He exploded through. Oh my god, he came through not yelling but filling the environment right, now, with the sound of
0: Again I'm gonna ask you to hold it right sure, there. Sure. So now we're up to Dr. Peebles has arrived. If you would like to know more about Thomas Jacobson and his work, check out his website at Thomas Jacobson and that's S O N J A C O B S O N at com. Now we have a video for you during the break featuring our guest Morning Meditation You can check it out by joining the chat room Just go to provocativeenlightenment.com forward slash chat We'll be right back
3: You're listening to Provocative Enlightenment with Elton Taylor
1: What is one thing you wish you
2: could change about yourself? What if you could make that change happen with the click of a button? With InnerTalk, Eldon Taylor's patented and scientifically proven and effective technology, change begins to happen the moment you hit play. InnerTalk works by priming how you talk to yourself and when your inner self-talk aligns with your outer goals. Anything becomes possible. Visit www.Innertalk.com to find your talent today.
0: Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor. Welcome back. If you're just joining us, we're speaking with Thomas Jacobson about his life, work, and channeled information. Now, Thomas, we just played your second musical choice I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston. So please tell us. In the first song, we're saying goodbye, and in the second song, we're saying I'll always love you. What's the story here?
2: <laughs> yeah, you got me thinking. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I think there's two things for me. One, that back to that word oneness we were talking about a while ago. Uh, kind of a uh, caveat, parenthetical statement is that it, what I oneness was not a word that I. Enjoyed. It sounded way back when kind of airy-fairy to me. But what I eventually learned from Spirit and elsewhere, the obvious, it has everything to do with diversity. Loving the differences instead of fearing the differences. Uh, so with this song, um, loving the differences, always being loved and always loving. What I learned from Spirit, not only from what they said, but what they did through me with other people as they were doing it, was an extraordinary potential of love, which I have not reached yet, of course, but I, for the first time I saw and I see the potential, the reality of it. Uh, when So they're talking, they being spirit, they are saying that our journey here is upon relationships of all types, and it is a quest for love. A quest to understand and to be in the midst of and to know love in its largest definition, whatever the heck that may be. And uh, so I see this song again, it's a soaring, the music soars. It takes us to a higher place. It constantly reaffirms to us our focus on love, a word that was so difficult for me decades ago to even utter the word. Uh, and uh, to put all to put all of our attention on the, that, the dynamics of love within our relationship, our relationship with life, and all parts of life. The second part of it for me is that if we pretend uh, that that is spirit talking, through, uh, as if that was spirit that guides us and teaches us that's around us. Um, that they're singing to us their love for us no matter what, and that they, they spirit, like we parents, know that we have to leave our children at the schoolhouse to go through what they're going to go through on their own to learn what otherwise they will not learn. So do we have to be here without spirit's direct um, uh, intervention to go through what we have to go through to learn what otherwise we would not learn. And so it's because of love that spirit leads us. Be uh, they're not solving anything for us with the, with the occasional rare exception, perhaps. But we have to go through it. And so that you could look at it also as a song to us from the spirit who loves us.
0: Okay, now I have to ask you this. You know, the psychologist in me just simply will not let you off the hook that easily. Sure. Um, you have a lost love?
2: Oh God, yes, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and,
0: and, and is there any even unconscious motivation in you, Thomas, that links this kind of, you know, music oh, to those, I, I think those so. feelings and you, that emotion? Yeah,
2: when you brought up earlier uh, about the songs having meaning and what have you, the selections that are made... <laughs> I'm listening myself and observing. Yeah, you yeah. Know, geez, <laughs> okay, that's true. Cool. Absolutely, my heart's been broken so deeply, broken, uh, absolutely, and had to pick myself up again. And and uh, fortunately, some person here and there loved me. And I keep trying to learn about love. And oh, I think it's very much about me. I think you're you're 100% correct.
0: Did you? I I, I need to ask this one too. Did you happen to see uh, the movie Bodyguard, in which Whitney Houston? Yeah. Uh, Whenever I hear this song, I I love that movie. uh, movie, But whenever I hear this song, I I see her on that plane, looking back at him, and him looking at her, and it's you know, (laughs) it's a polar. It really gets you, doesn't It,
2: it? It sure does. Sure all right. All right. That, that's so why I did. That's why I didn't want to open my heart in the first place and talk about all this love stuff decades ago, because it only would lead to a broken heart. So why bother? So that was my problem. You
0: know, so. Yeah, I think, you know, we all, as you indicated, we we all have a certain reservation about that because of vulnerability. Right. And, uh, you know, uh, we're herd animals. It's critically important to us to be accepted. And we do almost anything we can do to avoid being rejected at least seriously rejected and interestingly enough, one of our strategies often is to be the rejector, so <laughs> we so we're not rejected you yeah, know? absolutely and, I and, agree so much and we could do that in many ways, including you know just in the way we act towards another person right. you know so but all right let's let's back to where we were. we have Dr. Peebles he has arrived, he burst through, he is now now speaking, and you know I've read the book, Dance with Angels: An Amazing Journey to the Heart with the Phenomenal Thomas Jacobson and the Grand Spirit Dr. Peebles. You were good enough to get it to me, and I had to rush through it and spend some time but i did did get a thorough look at this and and, and it seems that this is a pretty remarkable individual, and i we'll talk about his teachings more. But you stopped channeling. You retired. What was that all about?
2: Yeah. Well, uh, if you'll remember what I spoke about a few moments ago with the the rock or the paper, the glass or the paper. Yeah. Um, the the uh, responsibility of the medium, or at least for this medium, uh, very very difficult. And if you if I guess in another way of thinking about it, if we, if you think about radio back in the 1930s when the station would come in and out and you had to be right. turning the dial,
0: right? I uh, remember that the old yeah. tube stations, yeah,
2: yeah. It's kind of like that. There was a very uh, pulsating electrical field. It felt like to me when once I achieved in transmit. and and not just that, but once having achieved it, spirit. Dr. Peoples specifically, was actually coming through me. It was as if I was frozen in a lightning um, a strike. That's only a slight exaggeration. It's very similar to that. It's as if I'm in an electrical field. My job is to not break the field and to be as vulnerable, to use that word, uh, as I humanly uh, can be or achieve. Uh and, and the one of the uh, challenges of this moment by moment drama, because that's what it is, is uh, is the fine tuning to keep it right on the station. So uh, the result is that it's for me far from perfect. There are, are, are extraordinary moments, and they uh, for me were by far the rule, not the exception, but the exceptions drove me crazy. Um, I just, I wanted to, I had learned about the actual reality of life after death. I couldn't wait to share with other people. I wanted them to know because it turned me around from what I was, basically lost and gone, to loving life and loving people, for God's sakes. I mean, I never would have imagined that was possible 40 years ago. And... Uh, So I didn't. I uh, I wanted people to know the truth of it, but I felt that at times Spirit failed me. Other times I failed Spirit, and other times the two of us failed human beings. On on occasion, again they they were the exception, thank God. Uh, but cumulatively over 15 years, it, went, it it wore on me. I was fatigued. I had a lot of success, a lot of exposure. Um, I would hear of all the wonderful things that have ha- that happened and all, all manner of evidence and what have you, but I also was aware of the failure for sufficient evidence on occasions, and I couldn't. It was very very difficult for me emotionally. I became overweight, highly stressed, so I I just decided to retire for for my health. I just didn't want to bear it anymore. So after many years, I decided to come back in the sense of uh, attempting to capture what I feel are the remarkable and beautiful teachings that came through me in a practical methodology
0: to, to help people. And, I, and that would that would be the course that you now yes. make available, wouldn't it? Yes. Um, go ahead. You know, flesh that out a little bit for us. Tell us about this course and, and where, you know, our listeners can uh, discover it.
2: Uh, it's called Our Labor of Love, a phrase used by Spirit. Our Labor of Love, uh, uh, Living Straight from Your Own Shining Soul. And the course has everything to do with... Um, I know it's an overused word sometimes, but a a personal authenticity that is even striking by uh, uh, relying on and responding to our own spirit, our own soul, our heart and soul, uh, in a meaningful, uh, applied, and practical manner in our day-to-day living of life here on Earth. Uh, I'll leave it there for the moment.
0: Okay, uh, let's, let's give the website so you know our uh, listeners can. Try. Yeah, the, you
2: can go to the website. It's a relatively new website. I designed it. Um, in some ways, it's good. In some ways, it's not good. <laughs> so forgive that, if you will. But uh, it's a it's a work in development. And uh, but you'll you'll find lots of information there. It is of man and spirit. Begins with O F.
0: One uh, word, of man and spirit. Of right, manandspirit.com. Com. Yeah, okay. Now, you know, let's jump back the electrical field. Are you, You're familiar with Jay-Z Knight, who channels yes. Rotha Yes. Okay, well, you know, a team of scientists actually did go in and measure anomalous electrical activity, magnetic uh, interruptions, et cetera, huh. when Rotha came into her, so you know that that model of the electrical field seems to be seems to be a universal one among many uh, channels
2: that's very but now i didn't know that
0: yeah but now <laughs> dr peebles who came through you is i mean right now there are two channels out there that both claim they're channeling him is right. uh, i mean where are you on that
2: well um as you might infer from some of what i've been saying It can become a complicated subject because of, not in terms of authenticity for me, but in terms of quality. And by quality, I don't mean that in a mean way. I mean in a literal way.
0: Yeah, but there is a substantial difference between the presentation of Dr. Peebles through you and, say, the presentation of, of Doctor Peebles right. through uh, some of these other people. Right. I, I, so anyway, I didn't I didn't mean to cut you off, but Summer Bacon, and Natalie uh, Gianelli, um, they're both channeling uh, Doctor Peebles or claim they're channeling Doctor Peebles. And and where there is some similarity, there's also a striking difference. Yes.
2: Yeah Yeah. Well, it's my view. I love that they're doing it. Um, I I don't have enough personal exposure and information uh, about well I, I know Summer, but I have not I hadn't heard of Natalie. But I don't feel enough information to, to draw any uh, conclusion other than I support them completely and utterly. It, it's a very difficult phenomena in drama. Uh, and the reason there is such a difference is because of in part because of what I was talking about earlier, which is the responsibility of the medium right. uh, is as the vessel and so the spirit the, the, if you the one I suppose the way of looking at it is pretend you're a spirit there you are there you are there we are spirits uh, out of our love and our commitment are going to earth through creative people through uh, inventors and designers through decision makers and through channels and through mediums and what have you and how are we going? how are we spirits going to achieve that when it's so difficult for we as the you know very fine frequency spirit that we are our frequency is very 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 fine how can we affect that physical world well it's nearly impossible we have to, We can only go into the corners, the nooks and crannies and cracks that will, like a piece of paper as opposed to the glass, will respond to us. And then there's all kinds of different thicknesses of paper, aren't there? And how much they will respond or how little, even though they do respond, they won't respond very much. And so the result is significant differences in the frontal, the result okay. that comes okay. out. But it's very, very—it's quite forgivable, for sure. It, not from a skeptic's point of view, but from a medium's point of view, we're all sharing that same challenge, and and different things come through different people to the degree in, in this very imperfect phenomena. So imperfect right. that I retired from.
0: It. Well, the skeptics, of course, as you know, jump all over that when uh, no, sure when yeah. you have the inconsistencies. But yeah. here's the deal. Now we we've got. Dr. James Martin Peebles was born in Vermont on March 23, 1822 of Scottish descent from Peebles Town in what is now the county town of Peebles Shower. <laughs> he died February 15, 1922 in Los Angeles. <laughs> just days short of... What makes this guy so important?
2: <laughs> you know, I don't know. I, I actually... The author of the book... And by the way, I had nothing to do with the book. Uh, I was, I legally and literally was not, um, I had no desire, and I was not able in any way to, to influence the, the book or the title or the subtitle or the content.
0: This is the book, The Dance with Angels, yes. the story about you and Dr. Peebles.
2: That's correct. And, right. and so uh, Linda Pendleton, uh, the co-author, did a tremendous amount of research about James Peebles. And... uh Found What she found, I'm not even really, you may know more about him than I do. I'm I'm not even up to date on on all the specific information, but I, one interesting um, aside is that there was a gentleman back in the mid-80s, I had a weekly uh, public demonstration, um, open to the public, um, and there was an Older gentleman in his mid nineties, uh, late nineties. I can't. I'm not sure which. Who, Nelson Westphalen, who had heard about my mediumship and and that there was a spirit calling himself Dr. Peebles coming through. So he came to the um, to the event and uh, came up to me afterwards, and he was so excited and so delighted because. He, something to the effect that Dr. peoples had not changed a bit quote unquote. he's exactly the same and he went on to explain that um, back then he that he had heard Dr. peoples living and he lectured uh, he would speak on uh, including spiritual matters apparently but there were no there were no microphones back then so he would his voice, throughout the entire hall, wherever he was speaking. And Nelson Westphalen had these vivid memories of his voice and of him speaking and claimed that he was exactly the same.
0: Yeah, I read that. That's pretty incredible, actually. Pretty incredible. Well, it just, you know, usually somebody decides that they're going to channel someone famous or something famous. I mean, Sean Randall, who attended... One of your courses and began to channel Torah. Uh, as a result, I mean, you know, Torah is. I guess the skeptic in me says, well, wait a minute!" I'm sorry. <laughs> and and obviously, you picked that one up yourself. So I'll just I'll just leave that alone. Okay.
2: Well, yeah, I I you know I don't I did these classes for people to begin their channeling. Uh, A difficult process, in part for the reasons I've already talked about. And um, there has to be a tolerance on that person's part for tremendous imperfection. Uh, And that can only be achieved, I think, through long-term dedication. And so I have not had any contact with Sean or her work. I've never heard her channel. Or her mediumship, but I love her for what she's doing. I don't know really anything about it. The way I think a good one way of looking at it, and I'm not speaking to uh, the skeptic in us. I'm speaking to the humanist in us. To, a way to try to draw value from these kind of things, I, I suggest, is to see the attempt to try to see sincerity in the attempt of, by people to reach out for a higher view. A more intimate contact with what could be, and and what even if it's wishful thinking of what we hope it might be, but actually trying to achieve that rather than just theoretically mulling about it throughout one's life. So I give all the credit and kudos in the world to people who are trying to channel and trying to be mediums and trying to be psychics. Uh, to me, it's similar to being, and I know this will be repugnant to some, it's similar to trying to be an inventor or to discover or to design Uh, it's it's in fact when I'm counseling and working with people I don't I don't Approach channeling or media.
0: I mean to cut you yeah, off. Sure, yeah, sure. Yeah, and 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 I like that. I think that's a very good model. That's uh, I mean that being the explorer, uh, we all should be looking at these things that way. We're glad you tuned in today. We know you have many choices, and we're grateful you chose to join us. We love your feedback, so please join me on Facebook or drop me an email at Eldon at eldentaylor dot com. I love sharing your letters and comments on the show, and that's a great way for you to participate. We'll be right back.
3: You're listening to Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon
0: Taylor. Hi, I'm Eldon Taylor, and you're listening to Provocative Enlightenment Radio. I'm so glad you could join me as we tackle those tough questions in search of the answers that really matter. But remember, this is a journey we are undertaking together, so I would love to hear your thoughts as well. Please send your comments to Eldon, that's E-L-D-O-N, at EldonTaylor.com. You can also join in the conversation by joining me on Facebook at Dr. Eldon Taylor, that's D-R-E-L-D-O-N-T-A-Y-L-O-R. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. We've been chatting with Thomas Jacobson about his life, work, and channeled information. In this half hour, we will take your calls. So if you have questions, give us a call or advance your comments and questions in our chat room. And remember, I love your feedback, and a great place for that is on Facebook. So I invite you to join me there today. All right, Thomas. This one brings tears to your eyes. You <laughs> are so beautiful by Joe Crocker. What's the deal here?
2: <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's, uh, again, It soars. It's just majestic like the other two. It just soars. And so my spirit soars when I hear it. Uh, All
0: about love as well.
2: Yeah. uh, First and foremost, for me, as I'm listening to it, it's about my dear wife, Connie. It's not only the words verbatim that he spoke. I'm speaking them to Connie. It's the passion and the depth of his incredible feeling. That's what I feel for Connie. And for love and for beauty, and I, I'd like to uh, expand on that, if I may.
0: Sure. Go uh, ahead.
2: The uh, I want to kind of transfer that feeling to what I went through when I was entranced, and the spirit was speaking through me. If the if listeners would, uh, for the moment, just pretend that it was true, put that argument aside for a moment. Imagine that that's actually happening. What does it feel like to have that type of power, that type of love, that type of majesty, if you will, uh, coming through you personally? And it was always, every single session, and and I'm not exaggerating, and I'm not being dramatic, um, every single session was for me transformative in a personal way for this reason. When he would come flying through me, blow the doors off, everything, and then address people at length and in depth and in detail about their lives. What I was experiencing was the depth of his love, and and I'll say their love because I think it wasn't just him, it was other spirits gathered. Tremendous love for the person they were talking to in the audience or in a private session. I had to feel that, and I used the word had to feel that. Because, again, I had a problem with love and and those kind of things uh, back then. Uh, uh, So to feel it was a majestic experience. I, for example, I could be going into a session and not feel well. It could be maybe down in the dumps for a while. uh, But I have to go in trance. It's my work. Spirit comes through, and oh, my God, the depth and, and totality and enormity of their love for the person they are addressing through me was something I've never experienced before or since or could have imagined. Experience. And that lifted me, that helped me understand a whole another level of intimacy and love and caring what they call the courage to care. The greatest courage required in the human drama, they say, is the courage that is required to actually care and to express that care. So that's, that's the song uh, that Joe Cocker sings
0: and those are my feelings. All right. Well, that's fair enough. Let's do this now. Dr. Peebles brought some teachings to the world and among them was what's wrong with our society. What what is wrong with our society today?
2: Well, actually I I you know, it's a difficult question, but I think he He, they were suggesting two simultaneous truths. One, that there's important reasons why our society is the way it is. And remember at the beginning of our talk today on your show, I suggested that uh, uh, spirit is that we're all students on the school earth. And the students that gather together in any particular school, in this case, Earth, they say, are of a similar ilk. And the similar ilk in this case, Spirit tells us, in my experience, is what they refer to as illusions of separation. That each of us individually retain some illusion or a lot, a little or a lot, of of various illusions of of separation, separation, which are illusions. And our work is to identify, diminish, and dissolve those illusions. And the challenge for us, the difficulty, is that that's true for everyone else on Earth, too. So that's why, in a sense, we're surrounded by ourselves. We're surrounded by others, too, who have illusions of separation. And so you can quickly begin to imagine and see the potential for conflict. And so it's not that it should be this way. Rather, as an explanation... In part, for the reason it is this way, in our work of love, uh, in our which is growth. I mean, we you know part, among so many of the things I learned personally from Spirit in doing this, and having and the experience of them actually being inside of me is that love is not con, you know just conferred on you or on me, uh, on any of us. It has to be earned and learned, and that's why we reincarnate. It's not that simple. We're surrounded. Again, ironically, by ourselves, in a sense, in a philosophical sense. And when we remember that oneness is not agreement, it's instead a fascination with the disagreements, it's a fascination rather than fear with the differences. Then that oneness, so called, becomes vibrant and poignant, in my opinion. Uh, so the, what's wrong with our society is, in a sense, what's supposed to be happening, or perhaps uh, maybe a better way of saying it is how we grow from it despite the terrible conflicts and the pains and suffering. It's not that God or Spirit wants us to suffer. Rather, it's like the schoolroom analogy. You know, we don't want our children to cry or be beat up when we take them to school. Nevertheless, we leave them there. And so we're here. It's not that God magically, because of great love, makes it all go away. Rather, we are all earning and learning love. We are all in time, even, even through reincarnation, becoming bigger and better and larger spirits, um, and then helping others achieve the very same thing.
0: Okay, there's there's an idea that I'd kind of like to unpack uh, that comes from the book "To Dance with Angels," and here is Doctor People's quote quote It is impossible to have humor without the ability, in a given situation, to see beyond one." single truth. If you are going to understand your own sense of humor, or lack of same, just go into multiple truths, and you will discover the natural humor of the universe, which, in fact, is only wisdom. Wisdom that is expressed that embraces the multiple points of view. And then what can you do except laugh at yourself and others? Close quote. So are we to interpret from this that there is no such thing as an absolute virtue, a platonic, higher, you know, here it is, prime directive to use Star Trek, no such thing as one truth, including, therefore, the fact that there is no afterlife? Uh,
2: Well, I, for one, know that there is an afterlife but
0: but, but, if there's only one truth, do you see what I'm saying i mean
2: yeah i'm I'm thinking i'm I'm playing it out in my own mind here uh it's well said, and I'm just taking a second here um, i I know that the answer is no it's not that there's an absence of one virtue. I'm just trying to uh, articulate it uh for both of us here. Um, When he says that, he's speaking of an elasticity that I think, I'm presuming, means that whatever virtue we personally or as an organization hold dear and true at this moment uh, is never superior. Rather, to always hold, while valuing and practicing upon that virtue, to be fascinated rather than fearful with the prospects or the possibilities that there might be yet another virtue that even sometimes trumps that virtue, and it doesn't mean that it cancels it. It doesn't eliminate it. One doesn't eliminate the one another. Uh, perhaps, perhaps it's more to do with circumstance um, in a given, with a given virtue or or truth. Um, so I, when I even as you quote Dr. Peoples, I I just it's the first time I've heard it. Um, I love what he said for that reason. What I see as the elasticity, or what I was talking about earlier, the oneness that loves the differences, loves the diversity, loves the exploration, and one and, and to state the obvious, I suppose, but to love the differences that we find tomorrow within ourselves or, or or with our environment in no way. Uh, deaden the virtues that we hold dear in present time. I think we just find different colorations. I don't know if that's a fair response or not to your question, but that's what comes to mind.
0: It's an honest one, and that's, uh, that's what we're most interested in, Thomas. No question about that. Well, let's stay on Peebles for a minute. According to him, and again I'm going to quote, and you've alluded to this already, quote, The object of all knowledge is intimacy, and intimacy is love. Ultimately, all is God. Close quote. Now that sort of sounds like the mantra, a popular mantra of the '60s and '70s that promoted free sex, love-ins, <laughs> communes, and the like. And so, you know, some call that the sexual. Yeah, like, rib. Sure. yeah i sure. Yeah. I mean, is that what he had in mind?
2: Uh, God, there's so many answers to that. Probably some humorous ones too. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know I was not part of that commune. I was there. in that time, of course, but I didn't. I was too hung up. I was too constrained to be part of that. Uh, so I really wasn't exposed to any of that um, except through the newsreel or what have you. Uh, I, you know, it could be, as well. It could be that that generation, my generation, had something that there was not. Every, not not all of it, but that there were there was some virtue there for the long term for all of us. Um, I don't like lovey-dovey for the sake of lovey-dovey. That's that's why it was hard for me, in part, to understand love in the first place, in this lifetime, at least. Uh, but when when we when we uh, explore love, that is, when we explore our communication in our relationships, that are amenable, at the very least, to change and reevaluation, and uh, Self-reflection through the eyes of others. Um, What what spirit calls our echo. Part of our work is to, and I think this is still part of the same conversation. Part of our work is to hear our echo off the cliffs of life, quote unquote. Um, uh, So, it's a difficult, complex subject. I think intimacy brings us closer to people, and that. Greater closeness, like they talked about in the 60s, uh, and the hippies and all that, greater closeness brings two things to us at one at the same time. One is pleasure and the other is pain. And what happens, uh, as Spirit teaches, is that we begin unwittingly to prioritize the absence of pain to the presence of passion. And true spirituality, they suggest, is to recover our passion, our desire, and desire to be desired rather than apologizing for it. So perhaps in that sense, the hippie community of the 60s, what have you, were trying to do, albeit perfectly, just that. But it was also an escape, like we all do, on their part. But maybe it was an escape from some some parts of our uh, conservative na- conservative nature that That we're healthy to reevaluate anyway.
0: Hmm. All right, let's talk for a minute about reincarnation, past lives. You mentioned that earlier. Actually, you mentioned in the first few minutes of the show when you talked about uh, you alluded to the nature of our free will being uh, predisposed somewhat by prior lives, um, what we could think of as dharma. Peoples discusses the nature of life, including the relative comparison between the purposes of, say, an amoeba and mankind. Tell us about the evolution of a human being. I mean, there are many traditions that believe our present homo sapien form here on this planet evolved slowly over time and that the essential spirit that inhabited the tiniest forms of life also evolved until it occupies the human form today. And some of those traditions insist that when an individual consciousness errs seriously, as say Hitler did, that the consciousness is dissolved or it starts its process of evolution all over again. What, what are your thoughts on this? What did you learn from Dr. Peoples?
2: Well, I, my take on it is that um, all of us as spirits evolve over time. And then on that level, there is no time, I guess. Uh, we understand, yeah. Um, and so it's an ongoing process. There is, um, there is no failure. There is only growth. There is no death. There's only only change, and that that applies to us as a not just as a human being, but as a spirit, a spiritual being before and after this particular lifetime. Uh, the the evolution continues. Now, of course, I presume. Uh, I'm only guessing, that it's not in a straight line at all, and that that we uh, you know we expand and we contract and we go left and we go right, not only forward, uh, and that's that's part of our exploration, but not only exploration, but um, needs. When I would hear Spirit, Doctor Peoples talking to people, when 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 I would when I had a private session. Dr. Peoples, all, all I knew, I knew the person's first name for the sake of scheduling. <clears throat> that was okay. it. Dr. Peoples would come through, and 80, 70, 70% of the time, more or less, the person sitting in front of me was a total stranger. And uh, Dr. Peoples without, would speak to them for anywhere from 15 to 25 minutes nonstop about their soul, about who they are. And he'd begin with a uh, rendition of some of their past lives and how each of them related to each other, how one life led to another and why, and then how those lives cumulatively led to this life and why, and how that in turn led to some of their circumstance of earlier in this life and their present condition, situation, and what their challenges and potentials and are present future and always with the aptitude of great love great service great encouragement always always wanting to lift people and encourage people i guess like those three songs soaring iron iron uh the uh so the evolution i feel is is absolute regardless of sin uh and we learn and we learn hard lessons and we have to uh uh by circumstance that we apparently agree to uh, per counseling of spirit before we come into this lifetime. Uh, We have to learn how it feels to be like the other people that we affected previously. We have to learn what it's like to be the people that we distanced ourselves from previously, to be the other side of the coin, and, and so as to become more whole W h uh, o l e, uh, holistic. Right. right. So something along those lines. Again, I feel like that's some in- inadequate answer to a good question, but that that would be my immediate response.
0: And let me try this one on you. In a couple of minutes that we have left, uh, there's a popular idea in New Age movement that uh, you know bad guys like you know Hitler. You pick a bad one, Mussolini. Just choose any one you want. Uh, they're really not bad guys. Um, you know, they just made a deal on the other side that they would come in and play that role in order to teach us forgiveness or something else.
2: Mm, uh, no, I don't agree with that. I, I don't I'm agree. I, I could be wrong, but my reaction is I don't agree with that at all. I think it has to do with the evolutionary process we were just speaking of. I think it was utter failure on their part. And, uh... Terrible failure for which they answer for, but the, but having said that, uh, they don't answer for it as I understand it, in my view from spirit, in um, an absolute eternal hellish manner.
0: Yeah, like uh, your father might have said.
2: Yes, right. Uh, and rather, it's um, they got their own hard roads in front of them, well deserved, etc., to learn what they have to learn, and. But no, I don't agree with the idea that they are sent here to teach us lessons by their example of, of quote, evil, unquote, or some such thing. Uh, I think it's their, their Remember, earlier I spoke of the illusions of separation shared by right. all of us individually. Well, in those cases, those are massive illusions of separation. So Hitler, for example, had a massive illusion of separation. So he has massive growth in front of him. And God knows, I certainly don't, what he's going to have to go through to work through that. All but right, he will ultimately, somehow, eventually. I have to control. work it out. Yeah.
0: All right, Thomas, we have about 30 seconds. And right. I, want, uh, I want our audience to know how they can reach you, how they can learn more about you, uh, how they can participate in uh, this course that you have. So give us that information, please.
2: Okay. Um, for now, the best way, the only way, is to go to the website, which is ofmanandspirit.com. You'll notice on the homepage, the upper right, is an opt-in form. You can opt in. You will receive a free newsletter every other Friday, twice a month, and you will receive once a week or so uh, one of what I call my morning meditations. Uh, the uh, You will also receive information vis-a-vis the newsletter, uh linked to the product itself the content of the product and there's going to be a 50 dollar discount on that product it's 195 dollars it'll be 145 dollars for listeners of this program
0: okay um, and i have to cut you off i'm okay. sorry we're going to get booted I got uh, again go to that website i want to thank you thomas for your willingness to share with us today We've come to the end of another episode of Provocative Enlightenment. I want to thank you all for joining us. I hope you enjoyed our show, and we'll join us again next week, same time and same place. And do tell your friends. Let's have them join us as well. Okay. Until next time, remember, wherever you are in the world, believing in yourself always matters. Provocative Enlightenment has been brought to you by Progressive Awareness Research and other sponsors. Provocative Enlightenment is a syndicated show and appears on other networks. For a schedule of showtimes, visit ProvocativeEnlightenment.com. If you're interested in becoming a sponsor, write to Eldon at EldonTaylor.com.